0: The commune, Jonestown, became famous on November 18th, 1978, when a total of 918 people either committed suicide or were murdered by the order of their leader. Today, we're talking about People's Temple and their diabolical leader, Jim Jones. This is only part one, so hold on to your butt. I'm Jada Smith. And I'm Alicia Galati, And this is Two Sisters and a (laughs) Cult. So we're going to be talking about Jonestown. And this episode is not going to be as bad as episode three or part three of this series. Um, In episode, in part one, I'm only going to be talking about his early childhood, his teen years, and his young adult life. Um, He became a pastor when he was in his early 20s. So it's not going to be about all the death and gloom that happened in Jonestown. But I want to know your opinion, Jada, about Jonestown. Do you think it was a mass suicide, a mass murder suicide, or mass murder? I'm going to preface this by saying 70 plus people were injected with poison or shot in the head. And 304 were minors, so more than a third of the total deaths oh were minors God. or injected with some type of poison. I think it was cyanide. So, what is your opinion? Mass murder, suicide. In the end, we don't really know if Jim Jones was the one who killed himself. Sure, sure. Or if one of, if his like right hand person was the one who was like no you need to die now cuz you said we're all going to die so then shot mm-hmm. him and then shot himself or i think it was a woman when jones jim jones decided that they were going to die that was it i feel like it's almost and i know people have free will but at this point like at this point they are in a secluded area in south america they can't get out there's armed guards all surrounding the commune it's almost to the point of mass murder yeah. But we're not going to talk about that stuff today. We're not going to talk about that. Um but how are you? How are things? What's going on in life? Are you uh holding up all right?
1: I am. I am. Things are going okay. Yeah. How about you? Uh
0: they're fine. I mean, so I officially launched my podcast management business and Ooh-hoo. I had a fantastic month of May. I mean, you know, but um I made some great sales and I'm projected to do pretty well as long as I can continue getting more clients and uh, eventually growing my team. It's been insane over here. Insane, but it's great. So awesome. I know. It's scary.
1: (laughs) No. Amazing.
0: It's amazingly scary. (laughs) (laughs) I think busy being a business owner is just terrifying in and of itself. But then when you add on um, just the idea that like everything is reliant on you, Mm -hmm. you don't have to just show up to work and you have to be the one making the sales. I think that's the part that's a little scary for me, Um, but I'm working through it and I'm doing a lot of money mindset and a lot of mindset work. In the next few months, I'm thinking about hiring a business coach. Dude. Yay. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) It's been wild. Oh, uh, so awesome. Yeah, it's good. Are you uh are you back to work yet or are you still No, not yet. Yeah. Still waiting it out. It's going to be interesting to see how long this uh COVID-19 really goes. Yeah. And what the plan is because I know school is out for the rest of the year for a lot of uh states. most of us. Yeah. And so I feel like being a parent now like being a parent is hard in and of itself but I feel like it's harder now than it ever has been Mm -hmm. because you're literally with your kids 24 seven and trying to teach them stuff like. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. My son stepped on my head this morning.
0: Oh my God.
1: (laughs) I mean, he was climbing out of the bed, but he just decided that it was going to be next to my
0: head instead of anywhere else. Oh my God. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Chris came in here a little bit earlier. I'm recording in the closet. So he knocked on the closet door and before we started recording and he goes, "Uh, so Joe ripped out all the inside parts of his diaper and they're all over the living room. Can I vacuum that up? (laughs) Please do. (laughs) I was like, use the suction hose, not the rollers. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Was it bad diaper? It was wet. It wasn't like poop or anything. But I'm like imagining like those little bead things all over the place, like cushions. Like yeah. Stable. And the idea of those getting stuck in the rollers and then staying in the rollers is like, oh my God. <laughs> I hear you. So that's what's going on over here. Kids just love to be great. <laughs> they do. They love it. And we love them. <laughs> I think North Carolina is on uh, lockdown still until the middle of may i think maybe end of may but i'm really like i was thinking the other day about how much i wanted to like take the kids to a remote like overlook or something like that but even under the restrictions we technically can't do that we have Hmm. to be home um so it's kind of like hard balancing that and like we live in north carolina we're like two hours from the beach we can't go to the beach it's so frustrating so so bad and then like i'm seeing all these memories from last year because we would always go to the beach in early may because it's before Mm -hmm. all the um tourists came and went to the beach so the beaches would be super remote but it would be nice enough to still like be at the beach because it's like 80 degrees here Mm -hmm. but it's just been nuts I just want to get out of my house.
1: (laughs) Dude, seriously.
0: Uh, The store doesn't count anymore. I'm done going to the store. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Oh, man. I was almost, like, sad that I couldn't go to the laundromat today. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But I like the outside.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, we'll get into today's episode. And I will start with James Warren Jones's birth. He was born on May 13th, 1931 in Crete, Indiana. James Thurman Jones was a World War I veteran from a poor farm family. I'm not sure if he was poor or rich. It just, there was not a lot of information. Uh, One podcast that I listened to said that he came from a rich family and that's Mm -hmm. why... Uh, Jim Jones's mom married him, but then the other one, um, a few of the other articles that I read said that he came from a poor family. So I don't know. But hmm. during World War One, he was uh, injured by mustard gas. And so when he came back, he was disabled. He was not able to keep work. Uh, he would try to get work and he just could not keep it. And uh, he was a bit I uh, like his mind wasn't really there and his body well he, like he wasn't able to like function in normal mm. ways. So he spent most of his time playing cards and drinking soda at the local pool hall. And this is like right on the cusp of uh what is it called when people stop drinking or weren't allowed to drink? Prohibition. Um yes, the prohibition. Yes. So this is right on the cusp of the prohibition. People were just now allowed to start drinking, but it's Indiana and in this particular county. It was still pretty dry. So he was just sitting at the pool hall, drinking soda, playing cards, which I mean, I ain't mad about it. <laughs> right. But when you got a kid and wife, you probably need to not be doing that. Um, <sighs> his mother, Lynetta Jones, was a feisty, independent woman. She was 17 years younger than his father. Ugh. <laughs> right and was always upset about Big Jim's inability to work due to his disability. This forced her to have to work to provide for the family, and she worked in factories and as a waitress. Uh, Lynetta was a staunch atheist who didn't believe in, quote, the man in the sky, and she laughed off the neighbors who were sure she would, quote, going to hell straighter than a bird could fly. (laughs) (laughs) Her marriage to Big Jim, as he uh, was called until he became old. And then he was Old Jim, you know, great right with the nicknames here.
1: <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> this was her, fir- her fourth marriage. So, and she was not even, she was like just over 25 when they got married. So in the 50s, that was not cool. Like the way they explained it was she had exhausted three other men by the age Mm. of 25 you know like yeah (laughs) very creepy and like patriarchal (laughs) Uh, but I mean at this point she's an old maid she's got to get married so she marries big Jim she was also a very dramatic woman and like when I talk about Lynetta I'm not like obviously I didn't know her but from everything that I read and heard from podcasts She was just, like, over-the-top dramatic, would not talk to people unless she wanted to talk to them or she had started the conversation. Mm. Like, most of the conversations, she just didn't feel good about. But then on the other side, she was very, like, just stood up against the status quo. She cursed. She smoked in public. She wore pants. Like, all these other things that I'm like, go, girl, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know? But, like, at the same time, she was also a a dick. (laughs) Yeah. Take that how you will, good or bad, whatever. This was Jim Mm -hmm. Jones's mom. Economic difficulties during the Great Depression caused the family to move to Lynn, Indiana in 1934, where Jones grew up in a shack without plumbing. The town was really poor. It had 13 businesses, and five of them were coffin makers. Like, Jesus. (sighs) Jeez. Sounds like my town. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was a conservative town with a prominent Ku Klux Klan membership. Yay. Yeah. Always love to see the KKK. Yeah. And they're going to be a group that we will talk about eventually. They are on our list of cults to discuss because they yes. are definitely a cult. But, uh, and it's said that Big Jim might have been part of the local KKK and it was corroborated between uh one of jim jones's early childhood friends that uh jim jones dad like was open about making sure that jim jones didn't have black friends i mean it's indiana there's not a ton of african-american people in you know this area but it was still very much like that's not happening here jesus yeah Lynetta didn't let little Jimmy in the house when she was working in the factory, and this gave him freedom before and after school to roam the streets. Now, elderly will wilder- elder elderly willows. <laughs> I love them willows. <laughs> 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 elderly widows around town felt sympathy for him and they'd invite him in for cake. I mean, that sounds amazing. Yes, please invite mm-hmm. me in for cake. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Jim Jones was introduced to religion. One of the women, Myrtle Kennedy, which sounds like the best name ever, <laughs> brought him to the Church of Nazarene. Now, a little side note about the Church of Nazarene. They believe that if you didn't go to the Nazarene Church, you were going to hell. Uh, they're one of the churches that are really big on evangelism. And for those with a deeper understanding of maybe the different religious sects, it is the largest denomination in the classical wesleyan holiness tradition i mean i feel like it might be one that we should talk about eventually mm. yeah <laughs> that sounds super interesting yes uh they're technically de- classified as pentecostal so let's give you a general idea but uh they're definitely a group who believes either you follow our way or no way you're going to hell which sounds like a cult to mm-hmm. me So Jim Jones started attending all the churches in his town, and there were a few. So he checked out the Quaker Church, the Nazarene Church, the Methodist Church, uh, the Apostolic Church, and the Church of Christ. And what he would do was he would attend one church for a portion of the service, then make his way, like make rounds on a Sunday morning to each of the different churches. And he realized that religion is just a social construct which is what we believe here (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) on this podcast. So take that how you will. Uh, Religions are simply cults that have stood the test of time. Religion is a social construct and is used for economic means, jobs, and relationships. You know, nothing to do with actual God. Mm -hmm. So Jim Jones took this, and we'll see this later in his life. What he was doing here is he was studying. What were the preachers doing? How were they doing it? How did they amass these groups? Jones, and he's not even 10 yet. He was trying to figure out how he could get people to follow him and be a leader at this age. He was a really weird kid. He spent a lot of time alone since he found it hard to make friends. And he took to collecting roadkill in order to give each dead animal an elaborate animal funeral. That's kind of cute. It's it is, right? It's like at first I was like, Oh, okay, that's cute. Right. He would invite the kids and would sometimes even do the service during recess. So he's taking like time out of his day <laughs> where he right? could be playing, I don't know, what's the game they played with? the 50s. ball. There you go. Other ball, <laughs> Maybe <something.
1: laughs> sticking hula hoop. I don't know. <laughs> they did that, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> taking the like not playing games with his friends and instead would have these elaborate services. Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. It's been their guiding principle since the moment that they launched. Their mattresses are designed to make good sleep accessible to everyone. The Allswell features hybrid mattress technology combining the best of both worlds, memory foam, and individual coils. A winning blend for comfort and support. Love it. Their goal is to create an affordable mattress without sacrificing quality or luxury. So what's the result? The Oswald Queen mattress costs only $345. And no, that is not a joke. Their Queen mattress is only $345. By using our special link, you can get free shipping, a 10-year limited warranty, and 100 nights risk-free trial. Definitely go check it out. You can find our link in the show notes that lets Allswell know that we sent you and helps to support our show. Or you can simply go to twosisterscult.com slash savings and you'll be able to find the link on our page. We have all our favorite things on there, but definitely go check out Allswell and get yourself a queen mattress. Allswell, dreamy mattresses for real life. So one time he took a group of kids and invited them to the local casket place or maker. And he made all the kids lie down in the caskets, the empty ones, not the, the filled ones. Oh, thank God. <laughs> in the, into the empty caskets to know what it was like to be dead. He continued to huh. do this, and fewer and fewer kids joined him on these trips. <laughs> This is where he started to, and we'll see this later, but this is where he started to realize that the older kids didn't really like him because he was weird. Mm -hmm. But the younger kids, the people who no one wanted to talk to, the kids who nobody wanted to pay attention to, loved the attention from a a Jim Jones who was a little older than them because he Mm -hmm. was an older boy and, and he was paying them attention. And oh my goodness, it's so cool. But he used that in order to gain followers. And we'll see this later in his life, where he will specifically go out of his way to talk to the people who no one else is talking to, to reach out to the people and help the people. And it was his means to an end. In order to have power over these people, he knew what he had to do in order to get that power. And he learned that from a young age. So he had a very early uh, like 11-year-old 11, 11 years old fascination with Adolf Hitler. When Hitler committed suicide in April 1945 to escape capture and humiliation, Jones was impressed. Oh. We'll later see that this ties almost directly into why Jones led his followers to their death 33 years later. Jones didn't believe in what Hitler represented, though. He studied how he commanded a crowd, the way that he inspired so many people to fight for his cause. And these are all early indications of a psychopath. At first, I thought sociopath, because it sounds like someone who is not able to socially interact with other people and does not know how to socially interact. So they mimic other people's stuff. But Mm. then I looked at what the difference is between a psychopath and a sociopath psychopaths tend to be more manipulative and they can be seen by others as more charming. They lead a semblance of a normal life and minimize risk in criminal activities. Whereas a sociopath tends to be more erratic, rage prone and unable to lead as much of a normal life. So I thought that was really interesting. I think he definitely has tendencies of both, but for the sake of the definitions Psychopath definitely fits into what we're seeing even in his childhood. Mm-hmm. While most of his schoolmates spent their recess playing, talking about like, I'm the allies, we're the allies, we're fighting Hitler, we're doing all this stuff. Jones insisted on playing the Nazi leader. He even went as far as recruiting smaller younger and younger children and turning them into his German soldier army. And if they didn't goose step, you know the way soldiers walked in those weird old films <laughs> leg 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 <laughs> he would hit them with a twig rude right but the younger kids put up with it because an older kid was paying attention to them which is so extremely sad but it's literally the way that human beings are and how we we function anyone who has any semblance of power and they're paying attention to us even if it is abusive attention. If it's the only attention you're getting, then you eat it up. Yeah. But he didn't just study Hitler. He was interested in Stalin, Marx, Mao, and Gandhi. He simply had an infatuation with those who could command a crowd. He studied those strategies and the way that they spoke. He's creepy. Like, even as a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a weird kid. (laughs) I wish
1: that there was, like, one, just one child who would have hit him back with a twig see how that would have if it would have done anything
0: well later we'll see that if his wife had not stayed with him and she almost didn't but if she had not stayed with him he would not have risen to the amount of power that he did Mm. so so
1: interesting
0: yeah it's Mm. interesting how one thing can change the trajectory of someone's life in that way The teen years of Jim Jones didn't help him in the friend department. He started talking openly about sex, which is weird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially in the 50s. Right. I'm It's 60s at this point. But think, kid talking about sex. You're in the 50s and 60s. You're living in Indiana. It's a farm county that they're living in. And you have sex all around you in that animals are having sex. You're, you're seeing it constantly with the farm animals, whatever. It's a natural part of life and, and reproduction. You might even hear your parents in the other room because, or in the same room, because it's just the way that society was during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. might hear the neighbors cause the door, the walls are super thin, but nobody ever talked about it. Like everybody knew it was happening, but nobody ever talked about it. But Lynetta which I am a little creeped out by this. But she was very open. I mean, part of me is creeped out. Part of me is like, okay, you taught your kid about sex. That's great. Which I think they right. do. But I'm not sure that in the time it made sense. Right. Like you're learning everything you know about sex from your mom. Um, right. In what <laughs> context?
1: Have yes. you been teaching him, ma'am?
0: Yes, exactly. You're catching, mm-hmm. you're picking up what I'm putting I, down. Yeah. No, I do. <laughs> I'm
1: also creeped out. And yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past her based on what we know.
0: Yes. We don't know exactly if that's, ha- that's what happened. Um, later in life, he did talk about how he was rejected by his mom and dad, how they never loved him. They never showed him any love. So I don't know. Um, but in his teen years, he became the authority for the young, young people in his area um, about sex. And his mom was very happy to share with him, you know, about her sexcapades, as we like to call them. <laughs> and the other parents were not happy. They were like, um, excuse me, your kid, I will not stop talking about sex. And she was just like, I'm not talking to you. So <laughs> that's how wow. that went down. In school, Jim refused to wear normal school clothes. Instead, he wore his Sunday best every single day. And he never spoke unless he started the conversation. But he loved to debate with his teachers, trying to prove his superior intellect constantly. Very much like his Mm bum. Phyllis Wilmore, who dated him in high school, remembers a pep rally before a basketball game. Jimmy decided to stage an elaborate funeral for the other school, which I mean, that's a great idea. That's funny. (laughs) Great pep rally. (laughs) He got up and started preaching and did an incredible job. He had the control and inflection. It was like the real thing, but was all intended to be a joke. He was very self-assured on stage. He had this coal black hair and piercing eyes that would look right through you. It sounds like he was a very magnetic person, like his personality Mm -hmm. was very magnetic or magnetizing, whatever the word is, you know, and that's what drew people to him, even at a young age. Jim Jones was not good at sports, but did find that he did very well as an organizer. So at 14, he established the local baseball league, not basketball basketball was the other sport (laughs) (laughs) he established a local baseball league uh that went great until jim dropped a pet dog to its death through a trap door i'm sorry what during a meeting with the league and the teammate team members he showed everybody how a trap door worked by making a puppy fall oh my god after that, kids decided not to play for the league and it fell apart. Yeah. Weird. Very weird.
1: I been psychopath. I'm no I'm, I'm going to definitely go with psychopath because yeah. they like to see people's reactions. Mm. Mhm. Yeah, you're right. Like, oh, this is a fun game. Look at. Look at she's playing. <laughs> <sighs> no. No, nobody's playing with you. <laughs> you're a freak. Sorry, not, not, not a freak. You're you scary. <laughs>
0: It's scary. It's scary. Yes, exactly. In 1945, Linetta and Big Jim got divorced after she took a new lover uh, secretly, or not so secretly when you live in a small town. Right. And old Jim still couldn't keep a job. Linetta and Jim moved to Richmond, Indiana during the divorce. Later, Jim died in the pool hall. His epitaph said everyone in the world is my friend, which sounds like literally the saddest thing in the world. Yeah. There was a slot next to him for Lynetta and her dates were carved into the tombstone. She died a year before the Jonestown mass suicide, but she's not buried next to big Jim, hmm. but they still put in uh, her dates there.
1: Well, that's
0: nice. I guess. I don't know. Right? Um, <laughs> she was a bitch to him though. Where is she? Where is she buried? I'd have to look that up. I really don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd have to look that up and see. She might be buried on the commune in South America, if I had to guess. Since she died there, but not during the suicide.
1: So if there's a slot next to him for her with her dates carved into it, I would have to assume that Big Jim did not like make or even maybe approve that, and that was her plan.
0: No, when he had it built or when he had it like etched and he decided what it was going to say and he knew he was like, cause he was old, you know, I mean, 17 uh, yeah. years older than her already. He wanted her name carved next to him. Even after the divorce, after she left, he had hope that it would work, which is so sad. Yeah. Yep. Jim graduated early from high school in 1948 with honors and had an interest in medicine. He started working as a hospital orderly while still in high school. He was really good at this job. He didn't mind the grunt work like cleaning up vomit, moving dead bodies, and weird stuff like that. He would even make changing adult diapers and sponge baths fun for the elderly. Not in a weird, creepy kind of way, but in like... No, no,
1: but like fun for the older people. That's, I mean, that sounds dope. Right. Also, I mean, again, with psychopaths, uh-huh. um, not only do they—is it fun for them to see people's reactions? But when they're bored, they're like murderous. So mm. I would assume at that point he's like, I mean, it was fun for him to to see other people having fun, maybe yeah. even.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think that everything to him was a means to an end, and he right. took everything that he learned from these experiences to grow his congregation later. Like the majority of the people that died in Jonestown were elderly people. The majority of his church were elderly people. Mm. They wanted, they were drawn to him. He paid attention to them. He cared about what they were saying. He helped them in in any way that he could. And we'll see that a little bit later in this episode that he was an advocate for people. Now, whether he actually truly believed, like he has the makings of being someone amazing. Right. And doing so much good in the world, but between being a psychopath and some amphetamines, which we'll later see. Oh, yeah! It was a down, it was like a spiral. Yeah. And then the sunglasses came in. I mean, okay, let's talk about that. (laughs) Friends don't let friends wear sunglasses indoors. Okay. Something's wrong Mm -hmm. when your friend Mm -hmm. is wearing sunglasses indoors. Just going to say that and put that out there. That's when the drugs probably started happening with Jim Jones. Yeah, is when he started wearing sunglasses, he beefed up his uh security, it became a whole thing. I don't know what Corey Hart was
1: talking about. Nobody wears their sunglasses at night. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> thank you, thank you. That was <laughs> so, he was making these
0: bats fun, yes. Okay, he was just like enjoying it though. But then he had great bedside manner. And that's what drew his later wife, Marceline Baldwin, to him. They met. uh, She was a nursing student. She was four years older than him. Not really interested in guys at the time. She hadn't really even dated. And her family was pretty well off and a political Christian family. She was a devout Methodist but she was also like a bit complicated for her age, like day and age. Like to the point of she told her parents she was going to vote entirely Democratic one year. Freaked everybody out. <laughs> you know, like that kind of complicated woman. She wasn't really complicated. But nobody in her family liked Jim Jones. They He would get in screaming matches with them about things like disagreements because he was always more intelligent. And they literally were just like, well, if she really likes him, then I guess that's what she wants to do. But her friends, her family all said, this guy is just giving off weird vibes. Mm. What drew Marceline to him, though? What we believe it was is the initial contact that Marceline had with Jim Jones. They were both working on preparing a body uh, of a young woman who had died and she watched how gently and carefully he prepared the body. He, She watched how he talked to the family of the deceased and how he was just so kind and so loving and so caring. That initial moment and that initial idea of what kind of man he was, mm-hmm. we believe, is what led her to marry him and stay with him. She believed he was good. Even despite all of the craziness that Maybe happened with her family, she believed if someone can act like this, they must be good, which is terrifying because he was not good.
1: No, it was literally acting.
0: Yes, exactly. He told Marceline stories of greatness to build himself up to something bigger than he actually was. He said that he quit the basketball team because the coach was a racist, and that he'd walked out of a barber shop with half of his hair cut for the exact same reason. It wouldn't be until later in their relationship that Marceline would realize that these were all lies. None of this actually ever happened. Jim then started taking classes at Indiana University to become a hospital administrator. He thought, you know what, I don't want to go to school to be a doctor. That takes too much work. So you know what, I'm going to go to school to be the person that tells the doctors what to do. (laughs) Anything to get more power. On June 12th, 1949, Marceline and Jim were married in a double wedding. I think it was her sister also who got married or something like that, which, okay, can we talk about double weddings for a second? I was gonna, I didn't want to like step in there, but
1: like, uh, fuck (laughs) that
0: shit. (laughs) What? I mean, I guess it was, it was post-depression. So maybe people were trying to save money or something. Right. Or something. nice to have just one feast. You gotta have a double feast.
1: (laughs) Right, right. uh.
0: I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. Me neither.
1: It makes as much sense to me as marriage by proxy. You remember that shit. Weird. No. Yeah, that's where you have somebody stand in for you at your wedding. They used to do it all the time. Why? The the, the bride's cousin would stand in and kiss the groom and then... They would eventually meet later, maybe because like she was out doing something at the time. What? She was working in the fields. She was, you know, busy with family. Sh- I don't know what. But, yeah, that used to be a thing.
0: Oh my god! Why do I not? I mean, it must have <laughs> just been a memory that I've blocked out from the camp and talking about it.
1: Um, do you remember that that like fictional book about Jacob and his uh his two wives? But it was like set in Scotland. It was some Christian book.
0: Yes. I I don't remember, remember it, but I stood in for Rachel.
1: She was it was a marriage by proxy, but then they yes. actually slept together.
0: Oh, yes. I do remember now. Yeah. Yes. Man, we read some scandalous <laughs> stuff at
1: the <laughs> I know. I don't know how we got away with it. Never tell anybody what this book is about. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. <laughs>
0: yes. Do you Bible. remember <laughs> doing that? Because they didn't ever really screen the books. Nope. They were like, oh, it's a Bible story. That's great. But until one of the staff members actually read the book, yep. it, like the kids would read it and be like, shh, pass it on. <laughs>
1: shh, shh. Give it to all of your friends. Don't say a god dang word. You <laughs> say a goddamn word. You are
0: you are dead to us. <laughs> cut
1: off. <laughs> yes. Oh man. I used oh. to take books from the Y too that were not Christian. I don't remember doing that. Oh, maybe it wasn't your age group.
0: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's so great all right so (laughs) devil wedding (laughs) freaky after their marriage was when marceline realized that jim was not the devout christian that he had said he was he was an atheist just like his mom refused to believe in the man in the sky who would allow terrible things to happen to people she was a devout methodist And he had simply lied to her up until this point. So it wasn't like the conversation never happened. He just lied. She considered divorce at this time, but because it's the fifties, her mom talked her out of it. Uh, This is uh, where like her family, because it had political ties and because she was the Christian, she eventually would come to coach Jim Jones on the Christianese. You know, that's like a the the slang, the lingo. Christian vocabulary, the lingo, like you said, the vocabulary. How do you say I'm saved by grace? <laughs> yes. Exactly. What does it mean? All right, let's run with it. Like, yes, people know what right. saved by grace means. Yes, let's do this. <laughs> like like knowing that Christianese. I mean, I think you or I, if we really were psychopaths who we wanted to, we could take Oh my
1: God, I would be an amazing cult leader. You and I both, we could tear some shit up.
0: <laughs> if people would believe us because we know the right lingo, but we're not mm-hmm. going to. Instead, we have a podcast about cults and you can join our Patreon, which is kind of like our cult. <laughs> ching <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and we have a Facebook group with it. So, you know, you can join our Facebook group and we can talk about cult stuff. Anyway, if Marceline had divorced Jim at this point, He may not have been able to reach the heights of deception and build his congregation as big as he did. And she died right next to him at Jonestown. Oh, my God.
1: I mean, she was complicit, so I can't really say anything about, like, I can't be sad, but it is sad.
0: But I'm not sad. (laughs) Well, as far as we know, Jim Jones was her first and only lover, and... He, she was not his last.
1: Oh, now I'm sad. He just gave her the freaking runaround for her whole life.
0: Yes. And she was his, his first and most devout follower.
1: Wow. So she, she, she really got sucked in. She really, really got sucked in. So it kind of
0: makes me wonder if it's like you get to a point you realize you're in a cult and at that point it's not even worth leaving because you've already right because
1: what else do you know how to do you've been doing this for 20 25 years
0: you've been believing it for so many years yeah (sighs) Mm, that is really sad yeah so why did jim jones become a preacher if he was on the road to become a hospital administrator he wanted to be the boss of doctors well He started to have more socialist reviews in the fact that he believed that things should be shared between all people, but he didn't like the idea of all people being able to choose what they should share. He wanted to be the one to to choose that stuff. So he would uh, regularly attend Communist Party gatherings that were local. In 1952, the Methodist Church started talking about racial integration. And since Jim Jones was a socialist and wanted, And didn't understand why there was so much uh, lack of racial integration. You know, he really genuinely, and maybe this was his means to an end, but he acted like he genuinely wanted all people to be equal and share things. And that's where that socialist idea comes in that you don't have to be one type of person, you can be whatever, and you can still share in the wealth. So the Methodist Church started talking about racial integration, and he found that the Methodist church, was the perfect place for him to start. Now, eventually we'll see that that didn't work out so well for him, but he knew that he had to use God to get to the power that he wanted. He started visiting black churches He liked that there was no time limit. He liked the energy. He liked that the people were devout, that there was yelling and there was crying and there were emotions and people were riled up just like the things that he would watch uh, leaders do like Hitler Mm. and how he would get groups of people to follow him because of how he talked. And that's what he saw in the black churches. And he loved that. He started visiting more and more. And he knew that that was the kind of church that he wanted to have. He got a lot of his ideas, which we'll talk about next episode, from Father Divine, which is also a cult leader. So eventually, and I think we should do him pretty soon, that way it ties in really well, but Father Divine was a cult leader that after he died, Jim Jones went to Father Divine's wife and said, I'm him reincarnated. He wanted to be this guy. Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) So we'll get into Father Divine later. But, uh, and we'll talk about him a little bit in part two of Jonestown. But until then, you can see Jones wanted to emulate the Black church culture and what went along with that. And he even started talking like an old Black woman later on in his preaching. We'll see that too. This brought Jones to the revival circuit. And Jada, what do you remember about revival circuits? Oh, God. <laughs> I've tried to
1: block it out and I have been unable. <laughs> All right. So pretty much that's like, you're talking like church tents, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It's sweaty. There's gold dust. People are yelling and going ding dong and pushing on people's foreheads saying you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And people in wheelchairs sometimes get up and walk and nobody knows if it's
0: real or not. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So that's what was going on during this time. And the Methodist church was still very organized. Like you had to know people, you had to be the face like in people's faces for a few years before you could even get your congregation. And even then you had to build it up first and then franchise it. Like Mm. that's how the Methodist churches grew and how that kind of was expected to happen. But Jim Jones wanted it right away. He's in his early twenties. He's ambitious. He wants shit. So What does he do? He tags on to the revival circuit, but he doesn't, he's not really known for his faith healing. And he doesn't have any accomplices that he can push down and they can start squirming all over the place or that he can say, You're healed. And they get up from their wheelchair. He doesn't have people that can do that just yet. So what does he do instead? He takes a different approach that he knew would still get people in. Before the service started, he would walk around. While people are talking, they're chatting. They don't really know him because he's a circuit preacher. He's not local to them. He would hear someone and he uses his memory. He had an insane, great memory. He would listen to them say, oh, you know what? I've been having these really bad back problems. Other person would say, you know, John, I think you should go see a doctor. And he's like, yeah, I don't know, I've been dealing with it for like five years now, and it just hurts so much. And And it's like right here in this area, and I tried going to the doctors, but they're saying that this is that I can't ever walk the same or whatever. He wouldn't try to heal that person. Instead, in the he would take that information, and in the middle of the service, as he's preaching at the opportune moment, he would say, I am feeling that there is a John in this service and you've had back pain for five years and the doctors are telling you that you're never going to walk again like you've been walking before and blah, blah, blah. They called him the amazing mind reading preacher. He was simply listening. Devious. Devious is right.
1: <laughs> Freaking devious.
0: At this time, the Methodist church was like, uh yeah, no, you're not going to work out for us. And it was you know, they went back and forth with what they claimed happened. Methodist church said he took money. Jim Jones and his wife said that uh, it was just that they couldn't get along when it was probably just that he always had to have things his way. If it didn't go his way, he would take personal offense to it and it just wasn't going to work. Just like he wouldn't talk to people unless they, like he wanted to talk to them. He struck out, on his own instead and started a small church called Community Unity in the inner cities of Indianapolis. Now, if you know anything about inner cities, it's usually predominantly an African American community. Mm-hmm. This was perfect for him. During this time, the attitude towards African Americans was separate but equal. That was the law of Indiana at this time, and so white preacher, a white preacher coming in and preaching on the corner in a black community was weird. But he wouldn't just preach. Instead, he became an advocate for these people. And he actually did a lot of good for the inner city of Indianapolis. He did so much good for the community during this time. And it kind of makes you wonder, is it a means to an end? Or is he just like, could he really ever be a good person? And he just really got twisted in there. I think he might just be an evil person. I mean, it's like you said that like psychopaths are are doing what they need to in order to get reactions from people. So if he can get positive reactions from people and get more people to come to his community, then he'll do whatever means he needs to do it. Right. Just kind of biding his time, building up an army kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So this is how he built up his congregation. He would ask if anyone had any issues at the beginning of the service. He would say, does anyone need help with anything? One example in one of the books... Um, that is talked about on a podcast. I did not read the book, so I don't want to say in the book I read. (laughs) But this woman said that she'd been having a lot of blackouts in her electricity. And right now her electricity had been out for about two to three weeks. And every time she called the electrical company, they would say that they would send somebody out, but they never have. And she's still without power. So he would sit down with her, like this was the church service. He would sit down with her. And as a congregation, they would write a letter to the electrical company about getting her power fixed and having someone come out and taking care of this need. The next week, she would come in and say, my electricity is on. It was wonderful, like amazing. It actually worked. Then they would go on to the next person that had a need. So you went to church, not just to hear about Jesus and God and stuff, but to get your actual needs met. And that's how he built up his congregation. he he believed and he preached, Why do you have to wait until heaven to get your reward? You can reap the rewards of your service on earth. Second Nature is a premium service solving a very unpremium problem regular air filter replacement. Even that sentence alone sounds a little dull, but trust us, it's a problem worth solving. Most people don't recognize they're supposed to change their filters every couple of months and the ones that do barely have time to remember it. That's where Second Nature comes in. I recently subscribed to Second Nature when we bought our house and I could not believe the amazing quality and options that are available for air filters for your home. I love the easy set it and forget it. I get a monthly filter because my son and I have really bad allergies. Second nature made it so easy. And using our promo, you can get a month for free. We definitely recommend that you try it out and stick with them. We've been with them for almost two years now and we absolutely love them. You can go to sisterscultcom slash second nature. With a Second Nature subscription, you'll never forget your filters again. And he believed that when you come to our church, you get something, which is almost better than what preachers preach now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like... I'm
1: feeling very conflicted about this.
0: (laughs) I know! (laughs) Same. (laughs) Like... He invites people to his church to get actual shit done, and then he does it for them. He's not like, oh, right, we're going to pray over this letter. He's literally going and handling it for these people, and he's doing so much good, and that's how he's growing his community.
1: And I really want to know why the Black community, why couldn't he have done this in a white community or a white church?
0: I think that it has a lot to do with not wanting to strike out, like strike out on his his own and do his own thing. So why Mm -hmm. not do something different? He also believed in social equality and he knew that this would be the easiest way to build a congregation by showing up in this way. And then third, I think that he remembered how the little children followed him when he was younger and how the people who were outcasts the people who weren't who were rejected by um, other yeah. churches they're yeah. not used you know most of the churches in that area were not using racial integration at all so why mm-hmm. not go to the people and say we are a racially integrated church
1: it's just and, for the kids on the playground all over again exactly jesus
0: yeah To make ends meet, because he did not have a big community just yet, Jim Jones (laughs) sold spider monkeys (laughs) door to door. Real spider monkeys? Real spider monkeys door to door for $29, which is $260 in today's money. Jeez. Yeah. I mean... You, we see it now when like pastors of small churches, they'll have their like an actual job. Usually it's like a construction job or, you know, some type of contracting business that they run um, in order to make ends meet. So they don't have to take a salary from the church while the church is growing. Mm-hmm. So it's not out of the norm, but spider monkeys door to door is pretty fucking funny.
1: It's an odd selling point, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And he actually, that's one of his uh, congregation um, followers who died with him in Jonestown, like in the same room as him, was one of those people who her monkey had died. It had actually hung itself by accident. Oh my god. I don't know. But she went and looked in the Yellow Pages. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The ads... Of the newspaper or the yellow pages, and she saw that there were spider monkeys, and so she contacted Jim Jones. He told her about his church while he was selling her a spider monkey, <laughs> and she joined his congregation and died with him in Jonestown.
1: Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> that is some strange karma.
0: Yeah. It's all so weird. So he used this opportunity to talk about his church and this allowed him to grow his congregation even more. He started to push his name as a healer in the revival circuit at this time. And he had a few collaborators now at this point that would perform with him. He would call out the first, he had two people that would work with him. He would call out the one person who would have some type of ailment or cancer. And then he would tell them to go to the bathroom and pass the cancer. And he would tell the other person to go with them. These were the, his two conspirators. Then, 30 minutes later, he's still preaching, whatever. 30 minutes later, they come back with this terrible-smelling, bloody mass. Mm. And they would say that they, because of the healing, this person has passed, as in shit out, <laughs> this oh bloody God. mass. In fact, it was chicken guts. Ew let let's to sit so that it smelled terrible but in order for people not to know that it was actually chicken guts or to validate this actual information he would say i'm it's taking all of my power to keep you all safe and this mass is infected and i can only keep this one person safe who's holding it so stay away from it so that you don't get infected too it wants to infect you all oh my god that was a way that he started to get more followers so between building, like taking care of his community in at the Indianapolis church and having the circuit run. He started to grow a name for himself so much so that at one point he had a thousand people in the tent or wherever he was booked to preach ready to hear him. And they had to turn 200 people away because they could not house more people. Wow. People wanted to hear him. Some of these initial followers, including a couple whose son uh, had been healed by Jim Jones by uh, from a heart defect, which they think it could have just been a misdiagnosis on the doctor's part initially. Mm. obviously he does not have any healing powers of course. that they're one of the groups like these are the people, the initial group that believed so much so in Jim Jones that many of them were with him 26 later and died by his side in Jonestown. He's growing this big congregation. He needs more space. So instead of like building something or, you know, adding on to the church that he already has, in 1956, Jim Jones bought an old Jewish place of worship. The word temple was carved in the side. And since Jones wanted the church to represent his socialist beliefs, he called it people's temple. Oh, it's not people apostrophe because they didn't, in socialism, you don't really own your things. It's just Mm. for everyone and so that's why they call it people's temple. But next week we'll pick up from here and we'll talk about the influences on Jim Jones during this time and the church's relocation to California.
1: Feel bad that I called him a freak about, you know, cuz I mean, but he dropped a dog down a trap door, so that was I I up. reserve the right <laughs> to use that word about that action. Just for anybody listening, I don't normally use that word just that was the thing that came to mind when I heard it.
0: I mean, yeah, there are weird kids, but this is like a compilation of like fifteen really fucked up weird things. Yeah, in his childhood, like he's a clear psychopath. Yeah,
1: he's got some issues, and I'm—I mean, I kind of want to do the next episode right now. feel <laughs> <I yelled laughs> like I want to hear the rest.
0: She's—you're gonna have to wait. <laughs> my earballs were not prepared. Yeah. And um, the so if I can get the Jonestown tapes, if they are copyrighted, I cannot use them, but I am going to see if I can use some of it in our audio for the last episode. And we will warn you guys before we play the Jonestown tapes. I'm going to also say the Jonestown tapes are horrific because all he is talking about is death and now is the time and you're going to regret it if you keep living and now is the time that you need to just go and you're going to be reincarnated anyway so what does it matter and and we have enemies coming upon us because they had done some not so great things that had caused the American government to turn their eye at Jonestown as in they'd killed some people not good Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in episode three but or in part three, I keep calling it episode three like it's like a Netflix series or something. <laughs> in part three, um, we'll talk about that and we'll see exactly kind of where that t- took a turn. But those tapes are horrific because you can hear children crying in the background. You can hear kid like young children screaming. Um, it's hot people are yelling and then it just keeps getting quieter and quieter and quieter and it is terrifying because you know what's happening it is literally the most like I listened to half of one and I was like I can't do it anymore I can't listen like I cannot I cannot listen this is so terrible maybe we should end this with some happiness (laughs) I mean (laughs) let's sorry guys I told you this wasn't gonna be a heavy one but it feels heavy now yeah it's a little happy there Uh, was a dog that died yeah that was sad gratitude bits let's see i don't know i've been feeling a little conflicted lately um because mother's day is coming up and as most of you know we lost our mom last year last february and so this will be the second mother's day without our mom and so part of me is like looking forward to what chris has planned like I think he bought, he said he bought me like six gifts. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what you, now That's I got to get job. you that many. <laughs> What's going on? No, um, But it's also our anniversary next week. So um, I think some of the gifts are for that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But part of me is like trying to figure out what the best way is to honor that day and still enjoy it and not be like, Super down and out. Usually uh, past holidays and special dates. So in the last year since losing mom, I would usually go out to the movies and get drunk. And that was it. And so now that the quarantine happened, I'm kind of like, I don't really know what I'm going to do or what my plans are. But I'm just trying to be super intentional about that day. So if anybody has any ideas on what to do at home... (laughs) yeah let us know because I was planning on just having some wine in the shower yes like I did last time there you go yeah I mean wine in the shower I think is always good and I think that um life is just crazy so just try to enjoy the most that you can this does not sound like gratitude bits at all I mean (laughs)
1: you gotta be realistic sometimes yes yes
0: so, yeah, I mean, I'm grateful that Chris is trying his best to like make it memorable and a good day. And I think he's probably gonna, I'm gonna make him cook. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> that's really cute.
0: Yeah, he's, he's great about that. And I think, um, him having lost his own dad, I think that yeah, he gets it. Not that it helps, but he under, cause it's terrible that it happened, but it helps him to understand what I need. Yeah. And how to like really show up. But yeah, so I'm excited maybe about Mother's Day and I'm excited about our anniversary Mm because we'll probably just put the kids to bed a little early and rent a movie, drink some wine, maybe some Chinese food, (laughs) that kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It'll be good. But yeah, I'm I'm grateful for amazing people in my life. There we go. (laughs) There you go.
1: What about you? Everything you said, no. <laughs> um,
0: Everything you said plus wine in the shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. No,
1: um, similarly grateful for amazing people in my life. I am very lucky to be staying with mom's boyfriend right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't ask me to pay rent. I mean, we we help each other out monetarily, but it's you know
0: he yeah. doesn't
1: ask for help with the rent or the bills or anything. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know what I would do otherwise during this pandemic if I didn't have that. So I guess I'm i am no, definitely very grateful for that. But yeah. Like you said, life is hard. And mm-hmm. the reason shit is happening is not that ideal, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: you got to get through it.
0: Yeah. And I, like, if anybody um, needs any encouragement or just, like, someone to talk to, our Instagram is always open like you guys can always come and message us if you're just feeling like you need to talk to somebody, even about just the grief of not having normalcy. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people are grieving that and they're, they're realizing like we may never have this again, like a normal, what we've considered normal life. This may be our normal for a long time. Mm -hmm. So know that we are here. We love our listeners like so fucking much. You guys have been so incredible and so supportive and we just, yeah
1: we're much better at giving lovely virtual hugs than we are talking about our own grievances (laughs)
0: yes exactly we will give you all the virtual hugs that you need um and if you just need somebody to talk through about losing your job we've been there we understand we are Mm -hmm. in it with you and we love you guys so yeah you guys got this keep going don't let it get you down So if you want to send us your stories, you can send them to our Gmail account. Uh, Were you in a cult? Do you have a favorite cult? If there's a cult maybe you'd like us to cover, we would love your feedback on the cults that we have done so far. If you have any feedback whatsoever or any extra thoughts that you want to add on, we'd love to talk about those on the podcast. And do you want to tell us just a funny, creepy, scary, or mystical experience that you had? We would love to start doing mini-sodes of reading listener stories. So go ahead and send those stories to sisterscult at gmail.com, and we will get through those.
1: And we have a Patreon. Our weekly bad. <laughs> the first one was bad. <laughs> you know. Our weekly podcast will always be free, but if you donate to our Patreon, it will support the show and it allow us to create more amazing content for you. So you can go to two sisterscult.com and click on Patreon at the top of the page. You can get some exclusive perks like a shout-out on the show access to our top secret Facebook, ad free episodes. And if you join at the $10 level, you'll get a two sisters and a cult sticker and exclusive monthly bonus full length episodes. Ooh, that will not be available on the podcast.
0: Boom. Yes. Incentive. (laughs) We also have some pretty sweet merch available in our shop. You can pick from decals like stickers of the podcast T-shirts and a bunch of other fun stuff like coffee mugs, because coffee is life lately. <laughs> mm-hmm. So click shop in the menu at two And
1: the best way for you to help us out on the show is to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to tell a friend who you think would like us.
0: All your friends. Tell all of them. <laughs> tell tell them all. <laughs> You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Sisters Cult. Come hang out with us. We would love to talk with you. Catch you on the flip side. And don't join that cult. No, it's weird. <laughs> What's weird? <laughs> the
1: cult, the one we're talking about. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously. Never join this cult, please. Ever. <laughs> Ever.